message from Cincinnati, Ohio. John Moxley, international purveyor of violence, gentlemen, and all around sick son of a bitch, John Moxley wants in the G1. How's it going folks and you are back at Wild Thing. This is the John Moxley Career Review Podcast. I'm your host Joey O'Darty, and I'm going to be taking you through the ups and downs, the highs, the lows of the career of John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. And last week's episode first and foremost was amazingly well received. Thank you so much to our guest last week Sam Brown and obviously the feedback we've received from the podcast and people wanting to talk about Mox and Regal and obviously what's going on at the moment in AEW. It was phenomenal to be able to connect and re basically educate people on what the history was between William Regal and John Moxley. So thank you very much to everyone for, for tuning in last week and getting involved in the discussion. This week on the podcast, we're going to be going back to 2019 as John Moxley tries his hand at New Japan Wrestling. Yes, that's right. We're going to be covering his initial promos as he led into the Battle of the Super Juniors, his first match at that particular show against Juice Robinson for the United States title and his initial few matches in the G1 Climax in that year of 2019. And to help me discuss this matter and obviously getting deep down into the depths of what happened back then i'm going to be listing the help of wrestling headlines.com's nottingham native matt meyer matt how are you how are you getting on today my immediate reaction was oh an irishman saying my name correctly <laughs> it's yeah. lovely oh it's <laughs> it's Mar- oh, a very popular name over and yes, well. Maybe yeah not very popular but it's, it's definitely a couple of guys in my class in school that <laughs> has the name anyway so she a number of different ways i heard my name pronounced over the years it's like oh it's just nice to hear it 100% correctly. <laughs> oh, yes. Listen, it's, a good, it's good, great to have you on the show. And of course, like, you know, like, first of all, like, if you want to tell everyone exactly what's your background in wrestling, when did you get stuck in or at least introduced to the world of professional wrestling and what floats your boat? So I first got into, uh, when I first properly got into wrestling, as in like the thing that really grabbed me, uh, the first pay-per-view, first show I, I ever watched was WrestleMania 17 on VHS at my friend's house. And I would have been... Good place to start. Would have been nine, ten. And that was like the first... Well, most people, when I tell them that story, most people say, ah, well, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> like, it started with the peak. <laughs> There's nothing will ever match that. <laughs> it's like kind of their view. It's um, pretty I mean, high. It's pretty high bar. <laughs> pretty high. But I generally... That hooked me, but I didn't have wrestling in my house. I, when it was on Channel 4, I never watched it. I never saw any WCW until, like, the Daily Motion years. <laughs> like, 2007, eight, And I, I didn't start watching wrestling until 2005. And the first episode I ever watched in my own house was the episode that they'd announced that Eddie Guerrero had died. Oh, so, my God. Like, a wrestler I was really excited to see. I've played as him on the video games. That was, made, that was really my main source of information. Like, uh, Here Comes the Pain 
and SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. They were my like made to the computer game library, definitely. Yes, yeah. So I I was fully aware of the characters and excited to see the real them, and then of course just it hit hard. <laughs> just just realised I'd never see him wrestle in real time, but which just to hear the way people talk about him as well. Like I'll I will never truly feel that I, I can I can see the respect and just appreciation for his work, but it's one of the things that. I, I, it just hit me that that was the first show I ever got to watch was kind of that moment. Yeah, I mean, better times followed that. I still stuck around. The show they put on uh, really excited me. And I think at the time they were building to Mark Henry Batista, which I think never happened because Batista got injured. A big, meaty match, yes. if I do say yes. so myself. Oh, just <laughs> the AEW ladder match of its day, yes. It's definitely, like, you know, Vince McMahon likes his big guys, and Batista and obviously Mark Henry were two of the more ticker lads they've had on the roster during that period. But, like, obviously that's where you got into wrestling, but what's the bar for you? Like, if you were to describe someone, your favourite excellence of pro wrestling, what do you describe? What do you point towards? So for me, it, I, I like a mix of variety in my wrestling. I don't like one specific style. You can win me over with many things. A man but after I, my uh, own heart. <laughs> <laughs> so I, every every year for Wrestling Headlines slash Laws of Pain, I cover the G1 Climax in some form. I've normally done it with a uh, uh, former guest, uh, Sam Brown, but uh, this year I did it with Keeping It Strong Styles, uh, Jeremy Donovan. And we just go through the G1 and every single year... Well, basically, we have the top five matches and top three wrestlers of the week. Every year, I make sure to feature at least one Toro Yano match. Like, I need to <laughs> make sure. And uh, this year, Jeremy was having none of it. <laughs> but oh, there's always it. a place for a bit of Yano. Come on. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, love the, I love a bit of comedy in my wrestling. Like, my world outside of this, I've done quite a bit of work with stand-up com- uh, comedians filming interviews and things. So I'm more than fine with comedy in my wrestling my wrestling world I like stuff like that to break it up there's definitely well, a place for it there's definitely a place it's a light heart pace in the card it can give people a bit of a different oh, yeah. sort of, you know different you know rhythm for the show sometimes and yeah there's, there's no problem with a bit of you know a bit of laughs and a bit of chuckles here yeah. give me some Santino Morella sometimes to break up a really serious feud and I'm, I'm, I'm getting quids in yeah, <laughs> but but really, like for me, the pinnacle would be something like uh, I guess Okada Omega or last year, even like an epic like Jay White versus Kota Ibushi. A match I can really get sucked into. Like I haven't watched this past weekend's Okada versus Naito, but same here, same here. Still, it's that kind of thing that brings me in, and I like watching this show. I was watching this, watching these like shows and these matches uh, to talk about John Moxley. It really hit me, just like the fact that the crowd isn't there for Okada Naito, like. I've rewatched these Such same matches. a disappointment, matches. right? Yeah, it sucks. Because I, I, like these matches that I've literally just watched this weekend, I would happily rewatch them over watching the new match without a crowd, just because with those wrestlers feeding off the crowd like that, and that not being there, like you really feel it when you go back to watch these older matches. It it, it hits you. <laughs> I mean, to so be fair, there's only so much clap crowds you can really yeah. watch without really just like you, you need some more atmosphere. And like, let's be honest here, New Japan isn't exactly known for hugely wild crowds, but you need mm. there's there's definitely something missing there at the moment. And hopefully now with the the borders opening up and back up, and hopefully foreigners coming back to work, hopefully things can change. But New Japan Cup has also just been announced as well, so like you know, it's an interesting time. Hopefully in the next coming months. Oh yes, it's hopefully. I mean, if you count. Uh, Dick Turgo getting a bye as exciting. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> he got... doesn't get any heat. <laughs> He's just there oh, and he I'm... loses. I want to see what Takamichi Noku does. You know, that's really it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's fa- he's he's facing somebody. It was when I saw that match. Oh, he's facing Chima. Yes. Yes, that'll be an interesting one. Really looking forward to that one. I say really, I'm relatively looking forward to that one. 
it, it'd be handy one to watch at the famous. I think it'd be an easy watch at the very least. But you know, we are obviously on a, a John Moxley podcast, and like I want to know what were your earliest memories of John Moxley? First time I ever heard of him was with his FCW uh, when he was doing the promos with William Regal. Oh, was yes. it Mick Foley? Was it Mick Foley? Bit of both. He, he, bit of both, he started both off with. Initial feud with Regal, and then eventually, when he was getting called to the main roster, that's when Foley came into it. And unfortunately, due to Foley not being cleared, it got knocked in the head. But yeah, you're, you're correct in what you're saying. Yeah, so that was the first time I ever properly saw. I didn't check because I, I dipped into FCW, and uh, there was a period of time where I was quite excited and into it. And then I think I just drifted away from WWE <laughs> a little bit. But it's like when you first start watching New Japan, you've got your generation of young lions. Like the when ones that you got attached to as you grew to learn about the products, you watched these kids grow into the amazing wrestlers that they are. Like for me, that's Show Yo, Jay White, I guess Juice Robinson a little bit. Uh, he was towards the end of that kind of me properly getting into the New Japan. And with FCW, it was the same. Like the first time you check it out, who are the guys on top? For me, Justin Gabriel versus Sheamus. <laughs> that's my FCW. <laughs> that's that's a, a far cry from modern day uh, professional wrestling, thank God. Oh, he, but like, it was it's, it's fascinating seeing some of the names that obviously went through FCW the years. You know, like and especially from rewatching some of the obviously the John Moxley, Dean Ambrose sort of clips from them. Like the heads that pop up there's there's a Chris Hero, a Cassius Ono, mm. if you will. There was oh there's a Bo Dallas. Remember this guy? Like it's like God, it's it's literally like a who's who of like you know who would have been or who potentially could have been really huge megastars or had a really good indie runs. Like and Juice Robinson, for example, is definitely one of the names that will pop to people's memories. Obviously, when you think of WWE developmental, but yeah, like it, it, it's and from there, were you familiar with his shield work or any of a sort of WWE oh. one, or was that something that like didn't I, exist? You know? I was, oh well, yeah, so I was watching WWE every. I think at that period of time, I was watching TNA and WWE every like most weeks. Uh, I think watched WWE every week, and TNA I think were in their Hogan era, so it was on and off. But I that be that was my wrestling fandom. I didn't drift away to New Japan until like 2014. So when they started the Roman Reigns stuff, uh, as in the clear push and the down by getting injured, the CM Punk leaving, 2014 was a difficult year. Was. <laughs> a lot, of, a lot going on, definitely. Mm. And especially when people first get introduced into New Japan, it's like such a eye-opener, like in some ways, mm. and it's obviously can be very, without, well, no pun intended, but quite foreign. Obviously, to what you're conditioned to watch from, like you know, mainstream American pro wrestling. So, like, when, when, how did that begin? How did you get stuck into New Japan, and what was it that drew you initially? So initially, I I'd heard about the G1 climax. I'd heard about New Japan, and I was I think I'd just finished university. I had a bit of time between that and such time to get on payrolls type of gap. And my degree is coming so unuseful. <laughs> 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 Loved every minute of it. Highly recommend doing a film production degree. <laughs> but, uh, and, and as you can see, I I know how to light. So at least there's that. <laughs> but uh, useless elsewise. But but yes, I had a bit of time, and at the same period, obviously 2014, WWE kind of pushed me away as a fan. Some of it not their fault, like the Daniel Bryan stuff. Some of it their fault, <laughs> and then the, the the creative, I could just it wasn't doing it for me. I decided to check out a different kind of wrestling, and I'd, I'd seen New Japan, I'd heard about it, I'd never watched any New Japan matches. If I'd watched them in Japanese, it was probably Pro Wrestling Noah or All Japan, like King's Road or Misawa or something like that. So I'd never watched New Japan before. And I thought, you know what, I'll just give this a go. I'll test it out. I can't remember what site I went to, but I'll, I just gave it a go. And next thing I know, I'm subscribed to New Japan World. I'm keeping up with the rest of the competition. I'm weeks behind because I didn't know when it started. I just, But that, my interest in New Japan was watching G1 Climax 2014, whatever number that is. 
and just learning about these characters and just seeing them. You learn about watching it, watching it in that way. You kind of learn about who's aligned with who, who are the favourites, who are the bit further down the card kind of thing. Because G1 Climax is, is quite a good way to kind of lay the Get ground a good flavour for, you know, yeah. what, the, what the landscape is of, yeah. of Japan. Yeah. And so I by the time we got to Vessel Kingdom, I was more than aware what was going on. And the thing I find quite interesting is, like, two, three months after the G1 Climax of that year, that's when Kenny Omega debuted. And suddenly things started to roll very... Uh, over the next year, things rolled very quickly. <laughs> Kenny Omega. Foot was for the pedal really in, in that respect. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I wasn't a massive fan at first. I, found it, I thought he was a bit quirky. I don't mind quirkiness, but obviously the way I'd look at him in a year's time, for me to go, oh, I like him, he's a bit quirky. He's doing a weird lawnmower... Bullet rubbing the forearm against <laughs> Taguchi's face, where he's just like revving the forearm and going, rrr, rrr, and he runs his <laughs> arm across it. I'm like, that's a bit quirky. <laughs> but, yeah, but it was it was in the junior division, so it was fine. Like he wasn't the main event attraction, so quirky's perfectly all right. Then 2015 happened, and just the buzz around Bullet Club as well around that time, because AJ Styles is the leader, Kenny Omega's rising up. Just that period of Bullet Club is amazing. The, the reason I heard about them was because of TNA. Like, they featured New Japan wrestlers a bit. They had Naito and uh, Yujiro Takahashi when they were no limit. They were on one of the lockdown pay-per-views. And they've featured... It talks about New Japan a fair bit. Done a few joint shows as well. So that's why I knew about them. And AJ Styles then go full-time over. Made me fully aware. And, uh, yeah, there's a deal with taught me everything. And I... Uh, New Japan very quickly became my number one promotion over that period of time. Which... Oh. Save my wrestling fandom. I can definitely obviously relate to you, like when you're obviously you're checking out something new, like that was me for obviously me. And it was again, there was like a TNA sort of aspect to it, like Kurt Angle is what drew me into New Japan in the first place, because I knew him. So he was the perfect gateway and segue to sort of, I know how he should be presented. Let's see how these other guys are going to be presented and sort of in line with him. And from there, like it was off to the races, you know, like it's it's very clear that like, you know, like and you've got someone who can go like Kurt Angle and see how he's positioned with other people who obviously have very talented skills as well. Like, you're gonna at the very least, even if the, at the worst, you're gonna be entertained, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Especially the people they're putting him up against. Because would that have been the Yuji Nagata match? It would have been actually. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. It was, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. And like you look at those matches, like again, like you know, like coming in cold, like you know, it's not obviously that the, there's not as much pageantry as probably like you know, American pro wrestling, or for lack of a lack of bollocks to it. <laughs> but like mm. it's a different different beast, different breed, and Kurt Angle, for example, was seen as there, and then obviously other people that were familiar at the time, you had like the Jarrett's, and you had like uh, MVP, who I think had a bit of a stint at the time, now obviously I'm not, you know, wasn't anyway near the sort of level as everyone else, but there were familiar names that were able to give me a chance to sort of say, listen, I know these guys is, let's see what all these other people are about, and how they interact, and yeah, listen, it's been a very good uh, very good marriage in that sense since then. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, my, I think, like, in that G1 climax, I think I did have guys like Shelton Benjamin and... Uh, oh God, yeah, he was there. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah he is in Suzuki Gun. Like, yeah. I for, you often forget. He, he was called Shelton X Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lance Archer there, very young Lance Archer as well. Like, not mm. the Murderhawk monster we see today. We had Harry Smith was around them times. Oh, like, yes. Like, <laughs> I can't even remember the tag team that himself, the two of them had. Oh, God, what? It's it's looting me now. Like, Killer Elite Squad. There we go. There yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what a killer name for such a, probably, at best, a subpar team. Like, but, like uh, Big it, boys. Like, yeah. <laughs> big big boys. lads. But, like, yeah, New Japan, like, yeah, they're, like, listen, no matter, even when they're at the worst and they're struggling, you're still going to enjoy something on the show. And there's still, obviously, people that can pull it out of the bag and entertain you at least at a four-star minimum. Like, and... 
to, to obviously move forward in today's episode, we are obviously covering John Moxley's first foray into the world of uh, Japanese wrestling, which is something that obviously was in 2018, at least towards December 2018, probably would have been unheard of. But he gets released from WWE in April of uh, 2019, and suddenly, you know, the world is his oyster. You know, like, you know, what did you make of his initial release? It was obviously a very big buzz at the internet at the time, but were you familiar with what he was going to be doing this time? Was, was it something that interests you? I, so I'd only heard about his, like, pre-WWE stuff via just, like, you, you get information, like, drip-fed to you over the years. Yeah. Like, someone will say, oh, he did this, by the way, and you quickly check out that one thing that he did. So something like that. So I knew of what Moxley was kind of doing beforehand. I didn't know what he had plans to do, just because you don't know, is he the same guy? Would he want to go to those violent routes again? And wrestling, overall, wrestling is was, like, very PG. Because, of course, AEW hadn't launched yet. They hadn't started doing any more. When I say adult material, that also includes like, the, the storylines being about anxiety and things. <laughs> so it's uh, it, was, it was a very PG, very family, child-oriented kind of environment. So to think oh. that Moxie would be going out having violent matches with Nick Cage, for me, was unheard of. <laughs> I yeah. was not expecting that. And I feel like this New Japan run really cemented that, just because I... It, it, his first match with Drew Robinson that we'll get to in a little bit, it was it's like a reintroduction to the violent side of Moxley, where really we just got used to being a little bit wacky. Yeah. He was <laughs> a, a rodeo clown, for lack of a better yeah. word. You know, he yeah, was yeah. A, a cartoon character, a character that obviously Vince McMahon likes, and it's no knock to what like obviously how he was regarded there, but like. Vince likes these kind of, you know, la- hilariously bad characters, like, and he thinks mm-hmm. that's what people want. And while Moxley's like, this is not okay. This is this is what you want. It's not really what I want. And I, I'm free to go somewhere else now. And I I want to explore better avenues because at the end of the day, he likes professional wrestling. He likes his craft. He has passion for it, and he wants to actually be a professional wrestler rather than a sports entertainer. So like, he he's left. He's gone. And you know, there's obviously a lot of speculation. AEW now are an entity now. People know the existence since January of that year. Speculation, is he going to go there? Is he going to go back to Indies? Is he going to leave professional wrestling altogether or will he come crawling back to the WWE? And then we get these really cool little vignettes on New Japan of some guy targeting Juice Robinson and eventually it's revealed to be John Moxley, the Death Rider, as he's now been christened with that jacket on the back, which is kind of cool. He actually just, a jacket that he threw on him, he had no intentions of being the Death Rider, but what did you think of these sort of vignettes and obviously then obviously the reveal? What were you thinking? Is this guy for in, in New Japan or is he going to be just a, a flash in the pan? I was certain it was going to be Chris Brooks. Like <laughs> I was so certain. Well, because he'd um, announced he was going to be going to Japan, and but we didn't know like what promotion or anything. So obviously now he's like, oh, the, the guy did all that stuff with Maki Ito. Yes, but he hadn't done that yet. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was Chris Brooks and Lycos. They were the duo and he was going, Lycos having injury problems. He was like, you know what, I'll go to Japan. And I was certain it was going to be him because not long beforehand they'd be running vignettes and it turned out to be El Fantasmo. And I was like, oh, it might be someone on a similar level, somebody like that. And he does wear leather jackets. And that, that was my logic. Yeah, that was it. And you know, I think highly of the guy. I thought he could do a violent match against uh, uh, Juice Robinson. It could have been fine enough. But when that reveal happened, the squeal I made, <laughs> the message. A good said, squeal or bad squeal? <laughs> oh, good squeal. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yes. my own initial thoughts were, like, like, this guy is, like, he's a, let's be honest, he was very close to being, or at least 
considered a WWE main eventer at a lot of times during his career. And like this guy is like he can command a very good wage. He doesn't necessarily have to go to New Japan. This is more or less something that like you know he could be motivated to do for his own sort of craft. But I hadn't got immediately high hopes that like this was going to be for him because. He was never known as like a super worker or a work rate guy, and he doesn't like sort of guy to have a wide variety of different matches. He's a fighter and a brawler primarily. So, like, would he be to be a good fit for them? And was again, would he be motivated to be able to perform at a high level, or would he come over just cash a check and you know phone it in? I mean, that is the worry with well, quite a few people when they leave WWE. Is it's that rolling of the dice when they get to that uh, more indie environment where it's a lot more on them. To be fair, it is mixture of pre WWE him and WWE him kind of mixing them together to get this character uh, is is fantastic. It's perfect, and the way they introduce him as well is so violent. He <laughs> it, looks it, badass. Yes, it looks so so cool, and the fact that he does the sh- uh, shield walking through the crowd thing as well. Oh. Which he keeps to this day. <laughs> so Physically, good. he has charisma. Like, just look mm. at the guy. He has a bravado. He has a, a confidence about him. Like, and you can see that in his initial, obviously, in the entrance way. Like, you know, this guy, like, he, he has a swagger to him. And he has that really, you don't know if it's genuine or if it's, like, you know, obviously a work, but he doesn't give a fuck. You know, he has that impression. <laughs> yeah. And, like, like he's, he's, the thing is, what I found interesting about Juice being, obviously, you know, being his first opponent, first and foremost, was not only was it going to be a title match, but Juice, obviously, this is the path he went down to a much lower scale, obviously. Like, he <laughs> was feeling undervalued by WWE. He had looks like Kevin Owens and El Generico Boris, you know, leapfrog him and the pecking order and developmental. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go make my name for myself. And I may not be successful, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to try and come back here a much better product than when I arrived here initially. So he goes off to New Japan. I think it's very poetic that he's the first guy to face John Moxley like in so many ways like and like this is this is a very good little dynamic they have they clearly have a lot of chemistry together you can see that in the very first minutes of the, of the opening match and like it's a it's a phenomenal match but like the reveal of his, the haircut for uh, for Juice Robinson is like what did you make of that? I genuinely I forgot that was this match because it's so many years ago now oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been, been through a whole pandemic <laughs> like time has been warped <laughs> and just go back and like, as soon as because um, I, I watched all of the promo packages trying to re-immerse myself into what was going on with this match yeah. and he's got all of his promos and he's with his spit and his fire <laughs> Juice Robinson of the heart of the world because of course John Boxley doesn't say anything he's part of a promo package and then that's that <laughs> so yeah. when when he gets to the whole Juice Robinson stuff Moxley he's <laughs> he's had that amazing entrance and then Robinson just stares at him with his I don't know what I, don't, I can't remember what I called that outfit at the time say, like, a hooded the, hat. <laughs> like the macho man sleepwear yes weird. <laughs> like, really <strange>. very good <laughs> accurate description <laughs> and uh, it, it, what helps is I was covering New Japan at the time <laughs> I'm trying to remember every, <laughs> everything that I called people but yeah he was, I just wasn't expecting it and just the emotion that they get across is like oh shit he's taking this seriously and this is going to be a fight. I think he told you it was going to be a fight, but to have it all over his face, all over his emotion, and the fact that he's taking Moxley so seriously that he cuts his hair, oh, which is looks, such a big he part looks of his identity. So much better too. He looks like God. This is like an evolution for him, and it's a pity that, like, obviously, as we know, the results now in hindsight, like, didn't come away with the victory here and lost the title. But I felt this. This is a big moment for him, and I feel like it was not only like the defeat here nearly hurt him in the long term because this reveal he looks serious he looks like he's a great escalation for his character and I was like oh, he looks a million books right here like just, and that's before the bell even rings oh yeah it's a perfect example of being elevated even though you're not going to be booked to win like yeah the kind of performance he's putting on 
and it's a perfect show to showcase it as well because like there is a free spot essentially on a Best of Super Juniors final card. There isn't really anything else on it of note massively aside from the final. I mean, it just it's, it says it speaks volumes when a match like this, which is a big, massive, big brawl, violence, blood, <laughs> tables, and it doesn't get overshadowed by a match of the year candidate final <laughs> of the Best of Super Juniors, which for me speaks volumes of this match. What did you think of the match? Like, what spots did you like? How did Moxley transition from WWE also ran to now these New Japan star? And like, you know, like this is again, he's the first thing I'll say is he's he's damn well motivated. <laughs> so if I'm right, this one was a couple of weeks after the Double or Nothing debut. So he's already debuted yeah, the Double or Nothing. Yeah, two weeks or so, point. yeah. And that is already there. He's already kind of got that hype there. If I'm right, this was his first match. After yes. leaving WWE, one hundred percent huge, yeah. And the fact that he goes at it with such a high tempo, <laughs> just charging at Juice from the get go. As in, they told you it's going to be a brawl. Then Robinson is just like, no, trust me, it's not going to be no fancy flips or anything, no beautiful crossbodies. It's going to be a fight. And then you see the demeanor of Moxie coming out. You see the demeanor of Juice. He takes off the the sleepwear and <laughs> he's got the short hair. And he's like, okay, this is going to be a fight. And then just in case you weren't getting it, <laughs> as soon as the bell rings, they just dive at each other and start throwing haymakers. <laughs> and it's, is, uh, it's the only way you can really well. book Moxley at this stage, because mm. if you want to showcase this guy and put his best foot forward, this is this is his kind of his oh, yeah. MO. You've got to give him a brawl, you've got to give him a fight. No fancy holds, no, again, mm. nothing nothing too technical, nothing too high-flying, not that he's known for that anyway, but you know, you need something that like showcases him, and this is this match, I think, was the perfect thing, and he's in great shape. He yeah. looks like a million books here. He's, he's obviously a lot bigger than the last time I remember seeing him in WWE, and like, he's definitely obviously got himself in good condition, which we'd obviously ensue later know that would be obviously for G1, because he has to be in good shape though. He has to go, go, got that many nights, but He's looking great here, and I think him and Juice, like, straight away off the bat, like, there's very little time where there's a lull in this match or a rest hold. You know, they they kill each other. Oh, yes. <laughs> as soon as his music hit, just the aura in the room, the atmosphere completely oh, changed. so over. <laughs> Immediately, as soon as it hits. As soon as they realise he's going to walk through the crowd, the crowd's reaction, it's a full-on, like, uh, what you imagine, like, a Japanese TV show reaction to it. <gasps> Kind of thing from everybody as they all. It's crazy just to see that huge reaction and all these dudes walking through the crowd, but they get crazy. (laughs) You've got to think this does a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Not only is he his first match back, but New Japan, I think generally speaking, you have to bring your A game to try and win over these crowds. You know, there's always got to be pressure here. There has to be a sense of, like, sort of weight on his shoulders here. And in seconds, you see, his guys, he's going to step up. He's unleashed nearly in the first instance. And, like, like straight off the back, like, you know, like, you, you go to a, a brawl on the outside and Juice has that dive, which is like, oh, my God, he looks like he's broke, broken his tailbone here. Like, he's overshot <laughs> it there a little bit. I don't know if that was Moxley's fault or not, but, like... First second they started brawling, it's all building to Juice doing that massive dive uh, off of the oh, staging. It looked nasty, too. And you can see Moxley <laughs> yeah. obviously clearly checking on him as soon as it happens because mm. he... He misses Mox nearly straight almost, <laughs> for maybe a, a glancing arm, mm. but like, he took that bum first, and that's definitely mm. not going to be a, a, a good moment for him. He's going to be on a donut for the next couple of days, I think, at least mm. sitting down in the chair. Like, the bumps didn't get better. 
<laughs> so, yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. just the first of many, unfortunately, in this match. Like, this was a fight. You can see, like, there's a great visual of Juice, like, you know, and he's just standing over Moxie and he's, he's panting and he's, like, he's got this look in his eye. That, like, personally, like, I've seen him have a few good matches at this stage, but, like, this was this was Juice at his best, I think, because he never performed this well and just have this aura about him. It's just something that, like, I don't know, it's just a haircut, like, a reverse Samson effect, but he looks like he's a million bucks here. Moxie looks like he's bringing the best out of him and he's bringing the Bexel and Moxley and it's like the crowd are super into this like it's fantastic and like I'm, maybe I'm a bit nitpicky but there's, it's, a, it's a little sloppy maybe it's a little nerves maybe on Moxley's part of very early on like but like initially like you know it's these two at least I don't think that's a bad thing that you look a bit sloppy it makes it look a bit more a bit more realism would you agree? I feel like because it's a brawl it's a big brawly fight it adds to it if anything it's you don't want a big brawly fight to be super duper clean I mean like the match that came afterwards uh, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi that one you want nice and crisp nice yeah. and smooth it doesn't really matter for this one because it's 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 a brawl it is a fight they are going to be tripping over themselves to getting that next punch they are going to slip the table is going to be a bit of a dick, but he's still going to get that yeah. the table. Oh, we get uh, to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's Japan, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, the, the brand of table they use, obviously, a lot different from the States as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so there's that going for them. But, like, I marked out for the, the figure four ring post. I'm a massive Bret Hart <laughs> fan. And I think that like, brings a bit of a shade to Bret. Is just like, yeah, this... This is brilliant. I love it. It wasn't exactly the most crisp or smooth sort of, you know, figure four around the post, but I just love that move. It's just, that does not happen enough in professional wrestling today. Like one of my absolute favourite New Japan matches is Yuji Nagata versus Ken Sasaki from 2003 Tokyo Dome Show. And the reason I love it so much is it's sold as this big blood match. It's, I think yeah. it's de- live or death. <laughs> type of uh, <laughs> I can't remember what the name of it is it's have a live or Two die men and one fight. man leaves basically. yeah and the gushing blood buckets both men <laughs> the entire thing uh, but they really sell it as a fight and it really feels like a fight uh, as in clearly not a wrestling match a pure fight and <laughs> this match created that similar atmosphere as in this was not your flashy wrestling match this was a full on brawl a full fight and one of the at the end one of them happened to get caught hit with the uh, I think did it get renamed as the Death Rider it's a Death point? Rider in New Japan yes. yeah again I don't know if this is the consequence of his jackets or is this something that like <laughs> Moxie really intent on having initially but yeah it, in Japan it's always been the Death Rider you know like obviously it's um, the paradigm shift now in AEW so like <laughs> there's that going for it but like just in general I just think both of these guys they beat the snot out of each other they look mm. really they look really well doing it and like they're, again like they're not taking a breath table spot they, they mess it up it's not their fault necessarily but it doesn't phase them you can see Juice is a bit <laughs> frustrated but he's like you mm. know what you're going through this table and that's the end of this like you're going to go through this we're going to cover this up it's mm. going to it looks it gives it that little extra sense of realism instead of just like oh let's do the spot again you know like in oh, yeah. the sort of thing to do is like no 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 we're going through the table but we're going to just, we're going to like you know just work on the fly here and we're going to entertain these guys and the fans like I said, like there's not a moment where I think the fans are bored or for example when even watching it, like you know, sometimes you you grab your phone yourself, you know. Oh, like yeah. it, it was never a moment where I said to myself, I want to look at my phone to check something else out, or I want to pause <laughs> I want to keep watching it till the mm. end. And it was it was just like as a debut match for Moxie, I feel it's really delivered. Oh, it's showing showcasing somebody to their absolute strengths in the absolute perfect way. Cough, cough, modern day New Japan. <laughs> what are you doing with show? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's what you got to do. I think in pro wrestling, no matter who you are, whether you're John Moxley or even a Jade Cargill, or even, you've got to look at these things and say, like, you have to put your best foot forward, hide their weaknesses, showcase their strengths, and then everyone will be the best for it. Like you know, at the end of the day, like, and I think that's what they do here to give Moxley a chance with someone he, he's familiar with, someone that he, he you know like he can go just as hard as him. And again, like the only probably negative I would have on it is that like Juice lost the title. I think like, like in hindsight, like was that the right call for Juice? Like, you know, maybe he should have went in there with someone else, like initially for so Juice didn't have to drop the title to stick to the on his fourth match. But like, like Juice has had good moments, you know following this don't get me wrong but i was like god he could have had a even better run of had he kept this title oh and and I, it's a mixture of this and getting that uh, injury like really badly timed injuries like he was booked for the g1 and he's having to do yeah. with broken hands like he, he his injuries sucked and they kind of and then of course the pandemic hits right when he's fit <laughs> it's like, right. yeah like if yeah. We're, we're saying that so much like so no matter what we talk about it's like oh but then the pandemic hit it's like oh god I'm yeah. saying that. like it's just so unfortunate <laughs> it's like i think of all the wrestling promotions i think new japan really hurt them the hardest like you look at WWE, they're product shit anyway so like don't think it really, i think it benefited them not to have fans they were born mm-hmm. out of their minds but aw i think they made the most of it with like you know the small few uh you know wrestlers at ringside and the try the best again to hide the weaknesses of the show and the downfall of not having fans there but New Japan kind of needed that there and it's, it's, it's definitely been something that's hurt their business and hopefully now in the next coming months hopefully they can recover that and get back to a strong spot because like they still like the roster like obviously is still very strong like you know they have to start promoting new guys to like look look better and to be able to be capable of taking over from the the older hands like the Tanahashi's now and like obviously Okada's probably not like the same man he used to be either like so like It'd be an interesting time going forward. Oh, yeah, and we're coming out of a weekend where New Japan kind of finally have crowned one of their hopefully future stars in uh, Sonata. Sonata. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great time to actually be talking about it, <laughs> just because you can see it there, as in, like, top guys are getting run down. Like, I haven't watched it myself. I hear it's one of the better matches that he's had, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, highly recommend it. I mean, I've not watched the... Uh, one from yesterday, <laughs> the uh, Naito Okada one. Not watch that one, but like they're in an era where like Naito's getting run down. Okada is amazing, but he may need a rest at some point. <laughs> so it's good that he's taking the mantle. Abuti obviously struggling with injury as well, and it, like the, to bring that next era forward, they don't have to take over right now, but to get them ready, like yeah, just build, in case building blocks in place, like yeah, like because they had done building blocks for future guys, but they were Western and. Obviously, the pandemic hits. You've got no Jay White. You're lucky yeah. to have Will Ospreay. You're lucky to have Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> so, it, and obviously, you lose John Moxley. Oh, you lose yeah. Chris Jericho. You lose, like any chance of an AW New Japan merger going the other way for like AW stars to be on New Japan? It's just dead right now because of all the difficulties. So, to, to to see what they're doing now is like okay, they're focusing on themselves. Kind of obviously, shows still getting cancelled every now and then. They're finally at a point to open up the country and maybe they can get some foreign stars in for this year's Wrestle Kingdom, but who knows? <laughs> like, so open the air, so fluctuating. Japan have really struggled with COVID. It's kind of sucks, really, because, like, Moxie started to get screwed over by things out of his realm before then, like, with the whole tsunami thing, yeah. where he had to drop the title because he couldn't get into the country. <laughs> so he's been quite unlucky after, I guess, from here to Wrestle Kingdom, it's perfect. And then after that, it just gets screwed over by Earth. <laughs> That's like, it. Yeah, like, like two months later, literally, like, like he's the first AEW sort of real face champion, and he has no fans to do it with. Like you know, it's just like he's 
but he makes the most, I think, out of the situation. So you can, there's only so much you can do with these things. But I think, like, he to be able to carry AEW, for example, in such a pandemic sort of era, like, I think it's a testament to himself and how he was booked. Like, he, there wasn't many big heels for him even to face, like, and he still managed to have a really decent reign, all things considered. And this match, like, itself, though, like, itself, like, I really loved this match. As a kickoff to his New Japan sort of tenure, like, I thought like this was amazing. I think like for like I hadn't got the huge faith in him coming over here and delivering. I knew he could deliver, but well, it's obviously like will he, won't he? How motivated will he be? And again, Juice, you know, sometimes he can he can hit, sometimes he can miss. Both these guys delivered. Moxley, I think, really was motivated. Juice Robinson, he had a point to prove as well. And I think like Dave Meltzer gives us four point five stars, and I, I think I have to say like I I say roughly around the same myself. I thought it's rocked. Oh, it's so, so good. Like, any qualms or any worries of, oh, is he going to, are they giving him Juice Robinson so he can kind of ease into it? No. <laughs> this is not an <laughs> easy into it. <laughs> this is like setting your style. Uh, this is, that he's going to be doing this kind of thing throughout the whole G1. Because that's one thing I really like about the G1, that I was talking about variety at the start of the show. Yes. Every wrestler wrestles their opponent's style, which is why the Yano matches work, which is why Moxley was such a different dynamic. And like, you're not only is he going to be wrestling other people's style, you're guaranteed brawls, uh, which we'll get to when we actually talk about a couple of the G1 matches. <laughs> it's just that these are pure brawls. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the fact they did, I just love that in the G1, you're guaranteed a different kind of match whenever Moxie came out. Again, that atmosphere just switches as soon as his music hits. That's it. And from here, like, you know, four days later, Moxley is on his way down to Dominion. He's going to be having a, let's be honest here, an extended squash match with Shota <laughs> Yumino. And, like, this is really the beginning of a quite beautiful friendship. Ah, <laughs> uh, old shooter. Old shooter. <laughs> He's oh. a, uh, someone else screwed over by the pandemic, like, stuck over here with no way to kind of get experience or wrestle. But he's, he's kicked up again now. But yeah, oh, yeah, this, this dynamic is brilliant. And I love everything about this as a... It's another showcase for Moxley. The entire thing is to build up hype for the G1, get Moxley over to, like, one more degree. The fact that there's the whole dynamic with Shooter that comes out of this. <laughs> it's just so good. I just love it. Like, Shooter man, looks... Like, he looks well, like, you know, like, he, he doesn't get loads of offense, and he probably gets more than he should, but... Like he, he's, he's crisp. He's, he's, he's able to deliver his moves, and Moxley makes him look for that brief period. It looks very well. He shines him up nice, but Moxley, of course, dominates. But <laughs> I think for a, a very quick, probably a five minutes match, like it really was what what was short and sweet, but did what exactly what he should have done in the, in the tin. Mm. I mean, after watching this and seeing this whole thing with Moxley, and then when he came over to RevPro, and just the whispers from the people who were there, just like he's good. <laughs> he's good. He is. <laughs> so, yeah. Just the, the mix of styles, and Moxley is in there. I can't remember who it's described as, but it's, I definitely heard Tanahashi and Moxley within the mix of three names. <laughs> I was <just> like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's something special. You talked about comedy earlier on the, in the show. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a main event star or someone that's on the upper card having a little bit of comedy from time to time. I think this gives Moxley a bit more of a playful side over there. He's obviously clearly a Gaijin who is like a fish out of water and he nearly attaches himself to this guy to say, listen, you're going to try and get me through this. You're going you're, you're to be my guy. You, you give it a good shot. You've got I like, you've got lots of Moxley, kid. You know, you stick with me and we can... He has a few jokes about obviously going down Rapongi, you know, being this designated driver and... It's something small, very brief, but it, uh, it really does. It gives a, a, a bit of heart to the, the situation. Oh, yeah. There's two sides of it where it's the... It apparently it's playing off of what Westerners think young Lions do for the talent. 
the reality <laughs> is they don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Moxley kind of treating him like that, but then also just like in the interviews, he's like, you're meant to be feeding me lines, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a great little line. Because he's obviously out of his depth, and he's out, like I said, a fish out of water. So it's nice to see like just a bit of humor, a bit of comedy being injected into this G1 sort of for, for Moxie. He announces himself as obviously going to be, he's going to be in the climax. And like my first thoughts were like, is he going to be able to go here? Like over the course of it's an endurance test. It's like the ultimate Iron Man sort of test for anyone that's coming in. Like, were you, what were you expecting from him in this sort of, you know, environment? I remember at the time I was just excited and he'd had, he'd only had the one big brawl. And yeah. he'd had then the squash against him. There's not a lot to go off. But I know, I know the dynamic of the G1. Like everyone wrestles each other's style. So I was excited. I was excited to see what he brings to the table. I had no idea what kind of run he was going to have. Uh, I, I think the way it did go was perfect. As in starting off as we've got this hot guy in John Moxley coming from the WWE. He's going to be but really, really strong. And then we get the Yano meme. Just, oh, yes. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> I, I loved his booking about this G1. Like you Make him feel like a top guy. And then it just crumbles. But he still feels like a top guy. <laughs> it's just the nature of the G1. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was definitely entertained throughout the entire thing. Just the mix of matches here. And, like, yes, you got the other one, but this is the year we got Air Ishii, with Ishii flying through the air. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's so that's, that's a, a topic for another day, but, like, Ishii, like, obviously, <laughs> he had some great matches there with Shingo, Nato, like, and, of course, the very first match he has on day two against uh, Tai Chi, like, which, again, like, first of all, like, I'm a huge Tai Chi mark. I think he's absolutely fabulous. I love his gimmick. I love his entrance. I love what he can do in the ring. Again, like, he, he gives you something that, like, for me, like, that, like, not every guy in New Japan has, like, but, like, he doesn't really get the, probably the love that other people do. But what are your opinions of Tai Chi and how do you feel, like, for day two of New Japan's uh, G1 Climax? What do you think of Dick's pairing? And uh, one thing I really like about New Japan is when you watch a match, the next time those two same people wrestle, They'll have learned. They go, oh, I'm not going to do this the same way because last time he counted it. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, Okada's reign is full of that. Uh, like, his legend is massive, uh, well, title reign, where he started to have to mix it up because his opponents started to be able to counter and uh, kind of get their offense in off of his normal routine. Uh, with this, match number three, immediately Taiji attacks Moxie in the crowd. Yeah, and <laughs> like, oh, he's full on. He's not waiting for Moxie to get in the ring and have a little, yeah. little, little bow and a bit of curtsy. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna. This guy is someone that I have to take the fight to, and I'm gonna go straight over. And he, like, he's hell for letter. He's trying to take Moxie up very early on. One of my favorite shots from New Japan. I, mean, I even remember screen capping it at the time that I was showing it on Twitter because I enjoyed it so much. And back then you could, <laughs> you weren't able to do that. But losing your those account. are the days. Uh, but yeah, it's where he's, they've had a bit, whole brawl. Because I don't even know if they got in the ring until like the final sequence. Yeah, so, it was, like, you, you a, got back in for a period and then you went back straight yeah, back out. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Uh, but it's, it's the shot where he then, he uh, power bombs, or the cover he did, he slams Tai Chi yes, through the table. Yes, on the outside. Yes. Yeah, and just then he crashes. I love this spot. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Yeah, and then she's over him, and he's like, oh no, Tai Chi. And then Mox just gives him the finger. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. The, the shot that New Japan got off that, it is so good. <laughs> the little things that you just think Moxley gets this, you know, and this is, mm. he, he, it's the little nuances. Like, you know, not everyone would do that little bit of a, you know, bit of playing to the crowd afterwards. And the, the fans react to it. Like, they, they mm-hmm. understand what's going on. They, they get Moxley, they get Tai Chi, and like, they were a very good pair, and I think this was an ideal sort of introduction to the G1 as Moxie could have. Mm. And this is this is like a year before Tai Chi like really hits his groove in New Japan. Yeah. It might have been over this G1 that he started to convince and started to have those showings. 
And but he, uh, he got overlooked the year before, you yeah. see. Like, and this is the thing. Like, mm-hmm. when he, he for from a storytelling point of view, he's got something to prove. So like, he's not going to wait for like Moxie and you know, you know, to give him a chance here. He's like, this is an opportunity. I'm taking both hands. Screw Moxie. <laughs> screw everyone else. I'm going to prove he's all wrong. Didn't work, but yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck my back. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, and it's perfect G one introduction for Moxley as well because it sets the tone of his match is going to be balls. Like it wasn't just a one off against Juice. It's going to happen in the G one as well. Like ah, oh, yes, we've got a whole tournament of this. <laughs> so good, yes. Moxley is there's throwbacks to his match with Regal that you mentioned earlier, like with FCW. Like he's trying to lock in a, a Regal stretch and during one part of the match, and it's like little things like this. Like if you're following Annie's career, it's like this is the kind of thing that really speaks to me. Right? You know, it's something that like mm. uh, I've again probably not many many people's probably watched this match, like a Georgian boy like cage match. Like from when I looked it up, like there was probably only twenty seven votes, and they all probably just really hardcore probably Regal and Mox <laughs> fans. So like it's a very niche sort of era, like and wasn't very mainstream, but he's having callbacks here and he's using moves that he would have gotten a very first feud with William Regal you know, 10 years maybe 8 years like previous this. and I was like god I love this shit like it's long term it's long term sort of rewards the long term fan mm. and it's like just something small I just think thank you he gets it oh yeah like the Regal running knee as uh, you're saying that the commission uh, as well was like, oh yes it's just uh, it's just a ni- nice it's, it's just nice that's how I'd say it it's lovely as a wrestling fan it makes you feel nice and warm <laughs> it's like oh that's lovely you want you want the guy. You don't care who you are, whether it's Okada or even someone that's like on the very low levels of WWE. You want someone to have not just one way of winning. You have to have multiple oh, yeah. ways because it does make sense. If you've got a submission or if you've got a, a really big power move or you've got like a, a, a fancy high flying move, just these ways you can use to win a match. And like you know, I think Danielson, for example, is a very good example of that right oh, now. Yeah. Like in AW, he's won probably nearly every match with a different move at this stage. <laughs> you know, like and that's like you never know when the finish is going to come. And this is what I like about like. If he's building up his like you know the regal stretch or the the death rider or the the knee trembler from regal, like, this is this this is the kind of stuff that like it makes a match so so much better because you never know how the finish is gonna come down. Oh yeah, and I like with um, Shota Umino as well that like, he just does the normal dirty deeds. He doesn't elevate him into a death rider yeah. or anything. He just That's like. He's like, he's uh, learning yeah. from the master, but he's still not quite got it yet, you know? Like, and he, let's be honest here, he does the elevated one at times, he doesn't do it. I think, obviously, needs must depend on the situation, like, especially if he's in there with someone like Cobb later on, as we'll see. But, like, yeah, these are little storytelling, little devices that are just simple, yet very, very effective. Oh, yes, 100%, 100%. So we move on from the very first, obviously, G1 match for Mox, and we go on to his first undercard match on the tag scene, and it's himself and Shota taking on Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita. And again, it's a, it, there's, there's not much really to talk about this match. It's a very simple undercard match. It's very forgettable. But like the one thing I loved about this was the booking. You don't see Moxley and Cobb really interact much. Oh, it's just something that the uh, tag matches for the G1 do really well. Yeah, it's and, simple. Yeah, sometimes I miss them and sometimes I don't. <laughs> like, there's uh, a lot to watch over this period. Oh, to be yeah. fair. So like, you really just want to focus on really what's worth watching sometimes rather than something that's like not really newsworthy. Mm. Like especially when, like, like I've done with wrestling headlines before, where I'm covering it every day. Like, you kind of have to. <laughs> like, I got to that point where, because I did the results for it one year, I think 2018, and I just, I just wrote down who won for the tag yeah. I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to cover all the others in detail. <laughs> like, it's all right. Let's be honest. People aren't coming to your site or to, to look for any sort of things about. Oh God, what happened today on the the, the, the preliminary matches? Like, they want to know what happened. <laughs> yeah. The actual who got the points today in G1 and why did they get them and. 
is are these matches worth checking out? Like, and this match is obviously not something that you'd ever write home about, but like, just from a, obviously a storytelling mm-hmm. point of view, it's good to see they're they're not going straight into Cobb and Moxie. That's going to be something that you're going to anticipate. And your know, Moxie's already got a win. Will Cobb be the next scalp for him? Will Cobb be the first person to stop him? And you know, it made a very good atmosphere for the actual next match that's coming on them um, on day uh, day four. Yeah, and they always like they'll give a little tease. You get more out of it. A phrase that uh, uh, Sam Valens used quite often when talking about AEW, like with the being the elite with Dark or whatever. Like you don't have to watch any of the additional content to get the main thing. So it, it, it compares it to Lord of the Rings, where you don't need to watch the extended edition of Lord of the Rings. No, but, but you'll get so much more out of it if you do. Exactly. Like you can still follow it. And for me, that's what these tag matches are like. You'll still enjoy the main one matches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it enhances it, <laughs> and uh, you, you see these little teasers beforehand, and when the match itself happens, you go, oh, that's what you were teasing yesterday, oh, I appreciate that, <laughs> that sort of thing, and it gets you ready for the next day as well, there's a, li- a little bit of hype, and then you get a little bit of power. A little tease, it's like a little tease, yeah. and you're like, you're a little sampler nearly before like, the big event, like if if G1 was a supermarket, like the tag matches here, like this one here, would be on the end of an aisle, giving you a little sample of what you want. But if you want the main thing, you gotta go purchase that. You know, you gotta set yourself up and like Moxie and Cobb coming now. But what are your opinions, obviously, of Cobb? And you know, where where is he at this stage? What what are your if you're looking at this guy, is he someone that you're getting behind in 2019? I was a massive fan of Jeff Cobb. <laughs> I'd uh, watched his work in PWG. I'd watched it. I think he'd been in the Ring of Honor at that point, and. I'd also watched him when he ever co- came to the UK as well. Lucha um, Underground too. Oh yes, Lucha, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah that must have been the, the first time, time I really yeah. remember him as, as Lucha Underground. It's like God, like this guy is—he's—he's mm. he's a big guy and he can move. He's like a much more impressive rhino nearly at this stage. Like not the animal, <laughs> the, the wrestler who. Rhinos, rhinos. Rhino, rhino, rhino's a, a, a grand guy. Like he's, but like he's—he's yeah. he's, this guy is like if you give him super serum, he's going to turn out like Jeff Cobb, and Jeff oh. Cobb is, is fantastic. It's that the whole gimmick with the the monster Matanza. I was like, oh, I loved it. It was that, that was a really good gimmick and made him look like a beast as well. Uh, but when he came over to the Progress Wrestling, I think was the first time I saw him in a UK show. He'd been doing his work with Matt Riddle. They were they were great as a tag team and against each other. And uh, Matt Riddle was so good, right? Compared to what oh. he is now, like he's a great <laughs> worker. I still think he like, he knocked out of the park with Sheamus last year at WrestleMania. Like that was the best mm. match of the card. But like he's. You could get so much more over him if you wanted, and I think like his indie run here, like again, was fantastic. And again, him and Cobb oh, yeah. as a tag team, like they were very chalk and cheese in terms of obviously what their abilities are, but they gelled so well. So that's the first time I'd seen Cobb do like Canadian destroyers or the pop up suplex, which is oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's the... He's so agile for such a like, compact goal. Oh, like... Yeah, with the pop up suplex, where it's essentially it looks like he's going to belly to belly them. Or over the head, and he but instead he just pops them round and soup Germans them, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> First time I saw that, <laughs> just jumped out of my chair. But he's he's a fantastic guy in that sense. Like he's he's agile, he's big, and like again here with Moxie now, like this is where I'm thinking to myself, what kind of match are they going to work here? Are they going to go for a brawl? Are they going to one of the matches where they work over a limb? Like I really wasn't sure exactly what way they were going to go, and you know again. Cobb can knock the absolute bejesus of you when he wants to, and I think there was times in this match where it was like it was like it was a short enough match. I thought I probably would have liked it a bit more, but like in those, I think it was about nine minutes. They really do trying to knock the like the, the head off each other. Yeah. And uh, the thing that commentary was selling as well was the two days previously we'd had Cobb ECE. Yeah, <laughs> with those two just clobbering the crap out of each other. Two big lads, two big lads doing big lad wrestling. 
the, the big meaty men slapping that meat. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> so uh, I, I love it when an Ishii comes across a wrestler like Cole. It's just oh, like another big boy that they could just clothesline each other again and again. And uh, they, so that was his previous match. Thing, uh, the commentary was selling, can Cobb do it again against yeah. Moxley? And you think uh, he could, like, because, like, again, you know, someone has to eventually take points off Moxley, I'm thinking. Like, like, obviously, in hindsight, like, that wasn't the case initially. But, like, you think to yourself, like, listen, it's okay for him. He's going to lose. There's no shame in losing to Cobb. Cobb could use the win as well. Like, there's, there's, it's very fascinating when there's a match, like, we don't know which way it's going to go. It intrigues me that a little bit more, you know. Like, I think and Cobb, like, he, he, some of the, the deliveries in this, like, you know, his, he hits a very sweet bait about him very early on. Like, the action goes to the outside, and he's like, he just looks like he just wants to. He's happy to toss you around mm. all day. It's probably not the best verbiage to use when he toss you <laughs> off all day. But yeah, like, he's he's so impressive. He's big. He's strong, and he can, like I said, he's very agile. Oh, and the fact that he he's somebody who can do the big super like Bianca. Not well, obviously not the same kind of physique as Bianca Belair, but just the fact that he's that super incredible strength, and then he'll move so onto you. He makes it look effortless. Yeah, like yeah. that's the thing. I always think when he comes to a big move, like if, where it's a, like a very big side suplex, or like you say, like a pop up mm. suplex, or even a, like a fall away slam, like he does it like as if he's just throwing a bag of potatoes around. Like he's so yeah. effortless. Like and like mm. like he there's some really good spots in this match. Again, it's a very short match, but like just like he hits a really sweet German suplex. That's like where I, I the likes of Kenny Omega obviously are probably like the standard for this. But like, Cobb's not far off. He hits them so well, and he, he's just. For a guy his size, I think there's there's very few people that are as smooth as him. Oh yeah, his match against Shingo from last year's Wrestle Kingdom is an absolutely perfect highlight of just everything. <laughs> Talking oh. about really a big boy who makes the the, the athletic side look easy, and which is incredible. Really, it is. And like, I don't know what it's like. I'm, I'm at this stage now. I'm like I'm 37. I'm a little heavier than I used to be when I was so like I find it hard to move, even though it was a generally fit guy. Like, and I look at someone like his side, I think what. How does he move so well for a guy his this size? Like it's phenomenal. Like and like this match again. There's plenty of big lariats, plenty of chops, and like that's it's, it's simple again. It plays into Mox's sort of strengths and obviously Cobb's strengths as well. And again, we get a few more knee tremblers here and throwbacks to the regal feud as like or the regal knee as you know Kevin Kelly calls it like in this like and like I love the fact Mox is going for a death rider, but he's not able to redo really it. The finishes, of course, he gets him in like the Orton drapings uh, DDT, and like this is how I'm gonna have to do it. This is this is how I'm going to have to adapt and it's, it's simple it's smart and like I really enjoy this match it probably wasn't at the same heights as probably the Juice Robinson match at the start but like and it probably could have went a little longer but I still like, I think this is a very passable match and a very good match that again I didn't feel like it dragged or bored me at any stage because uh, quite often when somebody gets a match like this in the G1 right, it's not massively featured you're not on any form of streak or anything it's just kind of building to the next thing Sometimes they can be fine. They can be a bit... Yeah, uh, yeah th- again, I just really enjoyed this. I don't know if it is just because Moxie is just setting that tone still. And Jeff Cobb, I think this is his first G1. So he's yes. really trying to make an impression. Uh, so maybe that helps both of them, that this match doesn't fall into that trap. We have like the New Japan Cup coming at 2022. Like, what are your thoughts now of Jeff Cobb? I think he has a very good chance of probably you know, stealing that one. Like, I, think he, I wouldn't say he's an <laughs> underdog, but I don't think like many people wouldn't begrudge him winning this kind of tournament. Or at least going very far in it. If there's one bright side to like everything that's happened with New Japan, it's that they then decided to focus on Jeff Cobb in the G1 or like last year and to, like give him a big Tetsuya Naito match at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's all deserved. Just such a 
such an amazing talent, and the fact that he's climbing up the New Japan ranks is more than deserved. Obviously, I don't know what his ceiling's going to be. Uh, in New Japan, they feel more than happy to let more than one person in a stable rise up, like like we've seen with uh, Lij. And at the time with Chaos, you got Nakamura and Okada both. At yes. The top. Like, it's not unheard of. You can have Cobb and Osprey both up there. And, and you can tell a story eventually. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's no harm for one to split off. Like, again, Osprey's kind of, like, he's kind of, like, obviously involved in this, like, you know, he's, he's completely, like, a super prick heel at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's no, it wouldn't be a, a place for him to sort of maybe, you know, take a little bit of a bitterness towards, obviously, Cobb's success. Like, it's a simple story to tell. Yeah, I'd be more, more than happy to see Jeff Cobb kind of rise up and get another go. At least, at least a run in the cup. With so many people in there, you can make the people that you want to make look strong. You can give them at least like three wins before they face anybody of note, <laughs> really. So you can make Jeff Cobb look like a beast and properly send him through. Now, like, um, in, in, in hindsight, now we obviously the tour, worked one toward read through his G one run, if you will. But what are you, what did you make of Mock so far? Has he has he over delivered here, or is he? This is what you expected. This is what I wanted. <laughs> Which I feel like is even better if he is hitting that note at this point. And I feel like it, his G1 gets better from here. But these are all like kind of like note setters. And he kind of the building blocks of which he will then launch his G1 run off of. Uh, for, for me, it's when he hits the Ishii match. That's when you really start to realise, oh, he's going to have a really strong G1. Uh, that's that moment. That's like in two matches time. So his first four are really kind of setting up what it's going to be like. And then just run with it. And it hits an amazing Yano peak, which I like, cannot applaud enough. He's cooking right now, and he's he's simmering. Mm. But like, they haven't brought this to the boil yet, and I think this is just it's just set, settling nicely. Yeah. You've seen him in various sort of different type of opponents, like with Cobb, Tai Chi, and of course his first debut with Juice, we just mentioned. Like, he's obviously trained really hard. He's got himself in a really good shape, and he's not disappointed. And I think again, from not that he was surprised, but. I was surprised at how high his ceiling was initially, at least here. Like, I, I, like he was very hit and miss in WWE. Some of us, like, depending on the penalties and opponents and depending on what way he was booked, which probably isn't obviously his fault, but, you know, like, he was not the kind of guy we see now. This is him, as we say, being unleashed. The chains are off and he's, like, showing, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to be showcased. And, like, listen, give this guy the ball. He's obviously clearly started running with it. Like, and it's, listen, when you've got people like this going on, Things like this going on in pro wrestling don't need winners of the fans. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And the the fact that they did then ran with it for the US title run as well, which was I don't know who knows where that could have gone. Who knows the heights that might have hit were it not for a tsunami and a pandemic. Oh, and in hindsight, like, were you happy to see him get the belt so early on? First match. Oh, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Which is, uh, cause I thought, oh, he's going to turn up, he's going to have a massive ball with Robinson, and then Robinson probably win because Moxley's not in New Japan. Little did I know, he's also going to show up on Dominion. Because he debuted for AEW not long before, so that, oh, he's not going to stick around. Oh no, he, then yeah. he does a whole G1 run, he's also going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom after AEW's debut on TV. <laughs> it's like, because of course at the time, the thought of people in a wrestling promotion also showing up elsewhere just didn't happen really especially in a top american one because like, like it's, oh, yeah. again you could you couldn't even call like impact tna really a top one or ring of honor like obviously mm-hmm. they're very talented and they obviously did a lot of great work but they were never even close to the the, the sort of you know, peak of what wwe obviously can achieve and like aw aren't there yet but like my god they're they're cashing up fast in terms of obviously like you know you know 
TV deals, like you know, they're they're getting great money. Ratings are they're growing in America where WWE aren't. You know, they're going backwards. So it's it's like, you know, you wouldn't be like crazy to say, listen, Tony Khan, maybe you should really in this talent a little bit here, especially your top talent. You don't want this guy getting injured, but which obviously it did happen <laughs> here. Like obviously, he obviously he, he got very injured, so he couldn't face Kenny Omega later on that year. But it's just like this is the kind of guy like he's obviously got some. He's whatever it mm. is in professional wrestling, he's not the best wrestler in the world. He's not a technical genius. He's not a high flyer. He's like you, you can't really compare him to really any other occasion on the roster. Like this guy is 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 a different breed, a different beast. But my God, like when he is given a chance to excel to his strengths, he's he's clearly been able to deliver, and he clearly has a passion for it. That's the one thing you gotta say. Like this mm. guy doesn't need money. He's been earning like probably a million a year maybe in WWE because he was fairly you know prominent in the main event scene regard if he even if he wasn't the guy so this guy is like he he doesn't need this he doesn't need to be coming over to new japan like but he does and the reason he does that is because he he enjoys pro wrestling god that just makes me like the guy Uh, the fans feed off of that so (laughs) so when when it's so clear uh, they feed right off of it and that's partly kind of what helps his aw title run as well just even though there weren't any fans there for such a large amount of time, you could just feel that energy, that presence. You, uh, you know when a guy doesn't give a bollocks. You know, yes. you do. You, yeah. when, when someone doesn't care, or they're, they're, they're phoning it in, like, you know, like, like, for example, Brock Lesnar in 2004, WrestleMania, like, mm. like mm. you know, like, this, and the fans are just going to shit all over it, and they'll know. You, you'll, you'll be easily found out, and you'll be a fraud, and, like, these guys, like, obviously, they, especially this, say, the AW fans now, they, they look at this guy and they can see, you know what, we can relate to this guy, and he likes what we like, and therefore, there's a mutual respect there, and I think, like, you see a guy that has come over and do New Japan, where he doesn't necessarily have to, it's like, it's, mm. just makes you, you, can, you know, adore him more, you know, and it's fantastic to be able to see something like this. Again, it's just a pity we didn't get the, the, the obvious rain that we were hoping for, obviously, due to the pandemic, but, you know, you know hopefully the future is a bit more brighter. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully so. Hopefully, we get sort of the AEW stars showing up for Wrestle Kingdom and things in the near future, uh, depending on how their like Forbidden Door swings. You kind of own now after Jay White turning up on a whim, you're looking from a, 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 a full pile of words like you know, so let's get him in just so I don't look like an idiot. Like you know, it's great to see. Him. So that hopefully gets New mm. Japan a few you know a few favors to call in. Hopefully, come time of uh, January's first few weeks, mm. but. Uh, Matthew, firstly, thank you so much for coming to come on today. But we end the show usually in the same way we end every week. We like to talk about your favorite John Moxley Dean Ambrose moment. Have you got one, or or have you already spoken about it? In terms of like the one I had the biggest reaction to, it's easily when um, yeah, he, it it turns out it is him. It's not Chris Brooks. <laughs> That's easily <laughs> my biggest. And then to see that paired with the visual of his debut and the in arena reaction to it, which we talked about. Just that that moment captured in the bottle. It was that paired with like two weeks prior his debut for AW, which was also an insane reaction from the crowd. Yeah, the Just, fan were buzzing right there. Mm. They knew something was happening, but when you don't really know for sure if it's happening or not, like you're like, oh god, is it happening? Is it actually mm. going to happen? Now we set ourselves up for a fail because let's be honest, that's happened so many times over the, the history. <laughs> so well, it's great to get that delivered, right? I have got a sweet spot for his uh, world title run on SmackDown. Like I the really enjoyed like yes. Just that <laughs> that whole run, uh, the triple threat with him, AJ Styles, and John Cena, which like opened the show because of the presidential debate thing. <laughs> it's like oh that just that era of SmackDown when Don Moxley was on top, and he it was like he was the babyface champion guy on that show. Oh, it, it I love that run. 
It was like they were left to their own devices. Like, you're not the A show, so like just, you go and do what you want. And him and AJ, for example, and to a lesser extent, James Elwood, they knocked it out of the park, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> just, it was great so watching. It was, it was a great viewing every week. I, I enjoyed it. Like, and again, it was the right amount of comedy. It didn't go overboard. It didn't make, you know, Dean Ambrose look like a complete dork. But at the same time, they were never reconsidered the guy. Like, you know, AJ and him, like, you know, they were never the guy at the moment. It was still Roman on the other show, still Brock. And that's the only thing that kind of, like, if you don't view them as a star, they don't look like a star, unfortunately. But, like, these, they, they had a great run. They knocked it out of the park and they were the most exciting thing about WWE at that particular period. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it shows what's, what little's changed when I'm not excited about Cody going over at all because, well, if you're not a selection of four people, then you don't really matter, <laughs> really. Yeah. So why would I get excited for Cody? Unless, like, he's part one of the change, but I doubt it's going to change. Cause We've, I've had so many false dawns yeah. with WWE over the years that it's, it's <laughs> sadly, um, I'll believe it when I see it. Yes, and it's, what's the same case back then? Moxley had an amazing run as champion and wasn't even on the main WrestleMania card where, when he was like the hardest working wrestler of that year. Incredibly over, really strong title reign. He's not even on the card. Yeah. But it's just like, ugh, really? <laughs> Come on. Um, them the break sometimes in WWE. Like, you know, like he, they obviously have certain people they view as stars. And like you say, you've got Charlotte Flair, Roman Reigns, Brock, a push maybe Becky Lynch and then Ronda Rousey that's really mm. it really and again like I'm probably generous with two of those and Flair and Lynch like but like like you can see how they view other people like the the people that were in the chamber the other day then in, in the Super Saudi show like like there's one star there and five other supporting cast and it's just the oh, people yeah. that, like my god like you know like they, they could easily make stars if they want to but they have no interest you know and Moxie was mm. a victim of that back in the day like he had Roman because that's what they wanted to do, and he was always going to be a supporting character, and he was just there to make Triple H look good or make Roman look good. And like, he, I think just like AEW have at least proved in North America, you can build multiple people at the same oh, time yeah. and keep everyone strong. And it's just, it's not rocket science. And I think like you can see in his New Japan run here, he's more or less said, "This is my coming out party. I'm going to show everyone not only can I work, but I can I can be damn well, damn well entertaining." Couldn't say it better myself. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you yeah. could. I'm very, I'm very uneducated. <laughs> <laughs> I just love oh. the uh, yeah, what you're saying with AEW, with the building of so many multiple characters, and John Moxley has really benefited from that as well. That the rotation system that they've got in place as well, where you don't really fatigue of any character because no. they, even if they are on the show, they're not always interacting with the same people every week. Uh, just to kind of rotate it around like that, it really keeps the show fresh, and Moxley really benefits from that. And just look at the food he's in now and how hot that angle is. <laughs> it's uh, uh, he was that, missing for a, a good part of like, you know, three or four months. Like, and mm. like, there's probably arguably one of your biggest stars. He's been absent and you didn't, and with all due respect to Moxie, he didn't miss him because it was other there to pick up the slack. And now he's back. It's <laughs> like, it's like, oh my God, then we've got another star back. We don't miss Cody Rhodes as much anymore because mm. other people can be positioned. Now, I do think they will miss Cody Rhodes because he's, like, he's a, again, he's a very big star, but they'll be able to cope and hopefully build without him. So, like, that's just, they, they've never been reliant on one particular star. They've never been overly dependent on anyone. And I think that's, like, when someone like Mox leaves, who's been, like, obviously their, their first really big babyface champion, and he's absent completely, right, like, you know, very, what's the best way of putting it? Like, he was very, like, you know, abruptly missing. And now he's, like, mm. you know, he's able to come back, and there's been no real, no one's really missed a beat, and everyone else has sort of picked up that slack. And it's just, these are the little things that I hope, hopefully, people will start realising this is how professional wrestling should be done. Like, they're far from perfect, but 
AEW was definitely much more positive and much more rewarding to a viewer than any other sort of promotion in American wrestling in the last 20 years, maybe you've yeah. ever. I mean, the takeaway for me is it's, it's not that difficult. Like, just <laughs> pay attention to your own product. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Like not everything has to be a home run every week. Like like let's be honest, oh, like, yeah. it's like but by and large, I, I the best thing I can always say is like when I stay up as a as obviously a Euro fan, like obviously mm-hmm. based in Ireland, if I stay up till three o'clock in the morning to watch a show, like I'm rarely disappointed. I rarely oh, yeah. feel like regret unless I'm really tired. But where like, <laughs> over the years and like I've been a wrestling fan since the early nineties, like I've watched set up over in my teens to watch up wrestling, and sometimes, like even as a fourteen or fifteen year old, you'd be like, "God, this is this this is soul destroying." This why have I set up for this? You'd be instant regret, and like, and especially in like the, obviously the, the the most recent years, in the last five maybe six years, there's probably been a very rare time where I've set up and really been like, you know what? I really was rewarded by that. And they have mm. so much talent. And that's the thing that's really, really poor. Like, you can see with people like Moxley, like, these guys were talented. And they have it. And there's so many people talented on WWE's roster that, like, surely, surely there has to be a way that these can you know, obviously make a ridiculously good pro wrestling show. Because the talent's there. And now we see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, we do. Oh, it's, it's great. It's great to be a fan right now. It is. It is. But, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. You're such a nice guy. But where can people reach you and Wrestling Headlines? Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, so uh, I write for, and I uh, will be doing podcasts for the, after pay-per-views or whatever they're called now, <laughs> premium live events. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but it's, it's actually yeah. pretty accurate compared to pay-per-view. Yeah. One of my little pet peeves yeah. is like, pay-per-view is definitely that you cannot call it because I'm not paying per view anymore. Yeah, as so. I say, <laughs> it's literally just the name of the thing. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm conditioned to be dead against whatever WWE verbal oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, my mind doesn't know what to do. It's logical, but mm. I, I don't want to conform either. But, yeah, sorry, I, I've talked over you there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, yeah, you can catch me over at Wrestling Headlines uh, for the uh, for the premium live event Aftershocks. <laughs> I'm not going to call them that. It's way too long. Tremors. <laughs> uh, I'll be live immediately. I'm live after every pay-per-view. Uh, I was doing Dynamite and Raw, but uh, I'm kind of switching a little bit into make sure I'm getting column content out as well. Uh, this past week, I finally got a column out. Yeah, <laughs> you had a good read of it, and it was a very educational oh. one as well, because I had no idea that like the main leader of women's female driving rights was in prison days before they changed the law. So that was like a little education for me, at least, and obviously the, we, we all know what's going on over there. So like it's you know it was very good to be able to read a, 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 an article that not only was like obviously you know telling it like it is, but it was you know it was a learning experience. Yeah, I decided to actually do the research, actually read the reports. So I'd actually, I've done that in the past with uh, like some initial stuff in 2018 and then 2019. I've read the stuff so I wasn't kind of just blurting out thoughts. I quite quite often when you're writing, it is kind of just thought dump and then try and make it paragraph good. (laughs) Sometimes, but with this, I was like, I'm going to do the research. I'm actually going to put it in there so I definitely know what I'm talking about, which really came in handy. And I. And I felt like after me writing that column, I felt fine watching the show as well. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, I normally, I'd write that and go, I want absolutely nothing to do with the Saudi Arabia stuff. But this time if, I was like... If you didn't watch pro wrestling because of, like, obviously, like, your morals, like, you really shouldn't mm. watch it at all because there's not yeah. much professional wrestling. You really dig deep into it. Like, that's really, mm. like, it's, it's a really shitty business. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> There's a reason that Dark Side of the Ring has had so much content and still has so much yeah. content. You've already scratched the surface, like, and, like, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> generally three seasons in, <laughs> like forty episodes or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I uh, anyway, yeah, I'm putting my stuff <laughs> tangents. <laughs> so I'll I guess I'm, I'll be live after Revolution next up. That's the next pay per view. But um, yes, it can be my March March seventh to us Euros and March sixth to the uh, the lads in the states. <laughs> so I'll be live immediately after the show as well. So I'll stay up late and then I'll talk about it. And you see a very tired Englishman. If I'm already cranky from staying up, but you can do about four thirty in the morning, like to be positive about a show, like, if it doesn't go well, that's gonna be such a challenge. <laughs> I mean, I did it for last year's revolution, <laughs> so I could do it for this one. And I imagine um, we're getting we're getting Moxley versus the Danielson. That's at least the oh, feeling of where it's going. And that like that <laughs> yes. promo last week for like, obviously I'm not sure when this is gonna necessarily gonna air, but like the promo where you have. Moxie saying he won't tag with someone unless he bleeds with them first, and I was like, God, that was a great like five minute of like promo that like I don't think like AEW would do enough of. We, I need more of that because like, when I look back at my favorite memories growing up, like it's not necessarily the matches I remember, it's the stories, it's the it's the angles, it's the set pieces, and the, some of them are just like this is what AEW can do well as well, like because they they've done it so many well. Like I say, the Cody uh, MJF lashings, for example, they can mm. do great pro wrestling theater and. I just this you could feel this. The crowd were into it. Oh, Danielson's yeah. a master. Like he's so underrated as an actual like personality. He obviously is wrestling outshines it, but like him and Mox, they 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 knocked it out of the park that week. Just that thing of well, that, just that tease of do you want us to fight or do you want us to team together? I want and, both. I agree. Yeah, both. It's like oh wait, you're gonna give us both of them. <laughs> Good God, thank you, Tony. Oh. I really hope we get both because like, I definitely think they I love a match with these two. Finally, I think they rarely interacted one on one for like an actual feud in WWE. Like they obviously had their matches with Shield and so on, and tag matches and the occasional throwaway TV match. But this is this these two could can knock it out of the park. This could be not not that would be underrated, but this could easily be the show stealer of a very good card. Mm. Uh, yes, but yeah, so I. Feed my column with Saudi Arabia, that's it. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> rewind the tangent, find out what was I talking about. But yeah, so yeah, my column on Saudi Arabia, which I guess by the time this comes out, might be a little bit dated. I might have been about something else. We'll find out. We'll find out. And where can people uh, reach you on Twitter, Matt? You can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. That's Damn as in Damn. And uh, my Twitch is the Implications with two S's. I try and stream there. I've been crap at it so far this year, but... Fingers crossed. <laughs> if I was anyway good at being a gamer, I'd be right there with you, but I usually play and then like get very embarrassed and thank God no one's watching me. <laughs> I might be doing some 2K22 stuff. Wait, wait, wait till the game comes out. Oh, what, what, <laughs> is, is that community service or something? What? what oh, no. <laughs> don't don't like, subject yourself I, to that, man. Oh, no. I buy a WWE video game every, like, four years. Oh, don't uh, do it. Be- you'd be, because... You'd be you'd in the long run. <laughs> Because uh, two, because twenty sucked. I didn't buy that one, and there was delay last year. Suddenly, I've not bought a game since twenty eighteen. I was oh. like, oh, is it four years again? Shit. <laughs> well, oh, that was, funny enough, yeah. like I, I'm not a huge gamer now, but like my daughter, um, obviously she's getting into game in the last while, and I didn't want to spend like I've heard a lot of things with 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 twenty with the twenty k one. I was like, oh, oh no, maybe that three twenty is not not particularly good. So we just went to the the local GameStop. We picked up a, a second hand copy of uh two k eighteen, and it was grand. It was okay. It was yeah, fine. It's a bit dated, yeah. obviously. Like and it's probably like the <laughs> seventeen roster really on an eighteen sort of in the <laughs> sleeve. But like, but then we bought uh, we bought Battle Royans, I think. For, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Again, like she just wanted to play it. I was like, "Come on, listen, it's twenty quid to be alright." It's the most abysmal game. Mm. Like again, like I don't know about you, but like I like my games to be when it comes to pro wrestling, I like to be a bit more realism, rather more, you know, in your, uh, mm. you know, 
war zone or, or you know uh, attitude than in your house or WrestleMania arcade games. But like, yeah, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I streamed, stay away from wrestling games. <laughs> I <laughs> I streamed that. Well, I mean, I never played it, but I've streamed it with uh, Ash of the Wrestling Shorts YouTube channel. He was playing it, and like, I'd be there for commentary, and I could just feel his pain as he was having to try and play this horrible crap game. Oh, <laughs> and you could tell by the Twitch numbers if he stopped streaming it, that game Switch was dead because <laughs> no one was playing it because <laughs> it was crap. <laughs> so, uh, listen, we learn our lessons with games. I'm currently playing Hitman at the moment, and that's quite amusing. But oh yeah, what, 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 yeah, it is. That's the only reason I'm playing because the game pass is ridiculously, you know, successful yeah, and it's you know very cheap. So like, yeah, like, but like, yeah, I'm no good at games. It's one of the things that, like I'll play and enjoy myself, but I wouldn't definitely not be twitching. Fair play to you, man. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all my stuff to plug. I think that's everything. And thank you so much to Matt for jumping on today from WrestlingHeadlines.com. This has been Wild Thing. You can catch me at AwesomeOJoe on Twitter. Also, check out the podcast on Twitter at Mox Podcast. And we will see you next week. <laughs>